This is the official podcast of Elamir, where we have conversations with B2B storytellers about how they go about doing what they do. Thanks for, thanks for joining. This is exciting. This is our first ever Companies Podcast episode. And I'm really excited to talk with you, Matt, a very special guest and friend. Uh, Matt is the VP of Marketing at Qualia and has helped build Qualia from a small startup to a company that's now valued over a billion dollars um, with over 500 employees across the United States. Matt, how are, you, how are you doing, man? I'm excited for this. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Excellent. So there's a lot we can talk about, um, but I want to just jump right in with um, your experiences at Qualia um, and particularly how your team and you have gone about approaching storytelling. So I guess for folks who don't have any idea, can you give some background on Qualia? Like what is Qualia and what do do you guys do? Yeah, of course. So I think a lot of your listeners uh, might not know of Qualia, but they know of, you know, the the challenges of buying or selling homes, right? And so uh, what Qualia has done is really created a infrastructure for everyone who's buying or selling a home, uh, to put it quite simple. I mean, as we get into the marketing world, it's we really think about the technology and how it's a digital closing platform uh, that brings everybody onto the closing in one shared space. Uh, but at the end of the day, what we're really doing is we've got a mission to make home buying a simple, secure, and enjoyable experience. And we're doing that by creating an infrastructure for the actual transaction. Uh, pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, it's it's the kind of product that, because I remember, you know, we've worked together a fair amount uh, together over the years. And, and it's definitely the kind of thing that is very new to the market. Like it's, it's, it's not, it's not something that, you know, quite existed in the same way in that it does now before you guys even, you know, started. So I'm curious, can you give some context on like, as you're getting started at Qualia and then as Qualia is growing, kind of what are some of those early challenges of like telling your story to this market explain to the market kind of what you guys do, you know, what were some of those early challenges? Yeah. You know, I'd say some of the earlier challenges are not, um, unlike a lot of what other companies probably face. Uh, that's to say that, you know, the challenge of talking about your technology and talking about yourself, right. Versus talking about the problems and talking it to a degree to which people currently understand. And so for quality, what that was, was really understanding that, the fundamental challenge in transforming how homes were bought and sold was really a big issue in collaboration, right? And so when you think about a home purchase or sale, you've got 10, 15, 20 different people on any given transaction, all trying to do the same thing, but they weren't capable of doing it because they weren't connected. And so where Qualia came in and really changed the game a bit was created a a really complex workflow software. Keep in mind, buying and selling homes is very regional, right? The the term real estate is local is not just isolated to, you know, do I want to buy that house? It's actually how people operate, right? And so when you've got all these people working differently, you need to get them onto a bit more of a standardized same page and get them connected. And so the story challenge for us out of the gates was actually getting people to understand also what the cloud is. So keeping in mind that, in this industry, everyone was so used to still on-prem software, but also the challenges of it, right? That they couldn't actually connect and collaborate with people outside of their own offices. And so Qualia came along, created an infrastructure for 
title companies, which is, you know, our core buyer right there. Uh, but then also kind of thought about it as, right, well, how do we actually expand those benefits to everyone that they work with? And so we built products for lenders and for real estate agents. And then ultimately, now, if you're a home buyer and you're going ahead and going through it, and you're working with a team on Qualia, you can open a free mobile app and get access to your uh, transaction and your closing at any time, ask your questions, you sign your documents, right? Getting people to understand that the cloud was a way to operate was one of our first earlier challenges. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And you guys, I mean, you started really, you know, your core product as you got started was for, you know, workflow software for title agents, which is, you know, not, we've talked about, you know, it's not a, uh, it's not exactly what people think of when they think of the real estate age, in industry. You know, most people, when they think of the real estate industry, they're thinking of realtors, they're thinking of, so can you just talk about who are these title agents? Like what, what was what was what were these people that you were selling to? What was what were their businesses? What did they really do? Yeah. No. Yeah. Nobody thinks about title, right? You're not going out here yeah. thinking about buying a home, and you're like, hey, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna pick Joe's title down the street yeah. for my home. Yeah. No, you're going either. Yeah. Right. So you're you're going finding a real estate agent. We all have a, a relative, a friend, ourselves maybe that are all real estate, right? So, you know, when we think about that purchase or even you know the sale to some degree, you've got picture a three-legged stool, if you will, right? Yeah. You know, one leg of it is sort of a real estate agent matching people together and people know about yeah. that. Another leg is the lender, right? And so we think about it, you know, most purchases are financed, right? And so you've got a mortgage and so that's your lenders. Yeah. But in the end of the day, the folks that are actually doing the transaction, orchestrating all this complex paperwork and this filing, cash management and disbursements, that's your title and escrow company, right? Yeah. No one really thinks about them because and effectively, they're working through their real estate agent or their lender. However, one of the big things is the title and escrow companies, they're the only ones on every transaction that's out there, right? And so if you think about it, you've got, you know, uh, on a refinance, you don't have a real estate agent. On a all cash transaction, which is, you know, depending on the market, you know, 10, 30% or so, right? You don't have a real estate, uh, you don't have a, a lender, right? Because you don't need financing, but you always have title and escrow. And so the the idea was, you know, which the founders really kind of got ahead of was start with these title companies, the title and escrow companies, build out an infrastructure that then everyone else could plug into and participate in. And so yeah. that's what we've really done over the last six, eight years. Yeah, it's really interesting because basically these title agents are the people who at the end of the day are the ones backing the closing of a home. They're the ones who are like, okay. At the end of the day, the person who is there at signing is is the person who's like ultimately responsible for saying this is a real transaction are these title agents. And they're it's a very complicated, very kind of crazy industry. So when you when you started creating marketing content or creating you know videos or whatever you were creating, how did you go about like figuring out who these people were? you know, conceptualizing what narratives would speak to them. Like, what was your, how'd you do that? Because you guys are kind of outsiders in, a, in an industry or you were a bit at the time. And obviously now you're basically, you know, building fundamental infrastructure for the industry. But I think, you know, there's a lot of challenges in that, in that initial sort of conceptualizing way. All right, how do we create this content? So I'm curious, like what kinds of things you were doing? Yeah. Yeah. I think, as you're asking the question, the, the term came to mind was sort of inside out, right? Start with yeah. them first, their problems, their challenges, right? 
and the people that work in this industry are you know just amazing they're they're i think we, we oftentimes talk about them being underappreciated because no one's really seeing them but they work very hard and as you mentioned this is very complex stuff right and so if you think about it this is you know more often than not somebody's largest purchase they'll ever make in their life and so what the title and escrow companies are doing is really managing a very complex transaction and so first you know really understand what are their emotional exactly i mean this is their life savings it's where they're going to potentially live for the rest of their lives right and so and they're managing you know the pressures of the real estate agents you know needs the lenders needs and of course the home buyer and sellers needs so you know really what we did was you know just get to know the people right and so we traveled a lot we got to meet with a lot of folks i had a little bit of an unfair advantage because my dad's actually a uh, a lawyer and uh did yeah. real estate as a large part of his practice so i kind of grew up uh, seeing what was going on a little bit. So I got to straddle the world of technology, uh, and, uh, real estate and law. And so kind of got to understand these folks. Um, but that being said, it's not one size fits all. Right. And that's, I would say, you know, if in the beginning it was, all right, you've got this one big community that you're thinking about one way as you get deeper and deeper into the community, you join associations, you read what everyone's reading, you really understand their their day, not just, you know, what they're doing day to day at their desk, but then their lives, how they participate in their communities, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, it really starts to unpeel that onion, if you will. And you see that it's not one size fits all. And you've got a lot of different people uh, and challenges and concerns that you're talking to. Yeah. Did, did it ever feel like really daunting as you go about trying to figure out all this, cause it, that's a lot of work to like learn about, about your customers to figure out. Cause I, I've worked with you now a lot and I know, I know kind of how it's different state by state. It's, you know, there's different types of laws related to title. So title agents look different in different states. There's different sizes of title. I mean, was it ever like just daunting or were there times when you're like, you know, maybe this is, not the way to go about doing, you know, because you took such a customer approach. I'm just curious, were there ever times where you're like, this is maybe not the way to do it? Or were you always just like, no, we, we have to lead. We have to learn as much as we can. We're always going to, that's always going to be our mantra. I'd actually, I'd, I'd say it's the other way around, which is if, if it becomes work and it becomes a hard job, then you're probably in the wrong profession uh, yeah. for doing this stuff, right? So, and I say that mildly tongue in cheek, but it's really because I've I've had the the benefit of being able to do this stuff because I'm curious. I like this stuff, right? Yeah. And for folks that are curious and like that stuff, it's not work. That's the exciting stuff. The reason why I said it, I, I would say it the other way around is if you get into an industry where everything is pretty flat and you kind of figure it out on day one, you know, you might get bored, right? And where with this is, you know, you've always got new things that you can be learning and discovering. And that's what I've really liked about it is that, you know, once you think you've figured something out, you know, you learn that there's a whole other area that you can really dive into uh, and and, uh, and explore. So, yeah, yeah, I'd actually say it's it's been fun because of that. Yeah, that's cool. How much did you guys think about, like, you know, what we, what a lot of what we've been talking about, you know, you traveling, you meeting, you like understanding your, your buyers, understanding these customers, how much time did you spend creating content that made your product look really good? Cause there's, there's obviously like, you know, there's a lot of different types of content that startups can make, you know, they can, 
They can make their customer videos. They can make their customer case studies. They can learn about their customers, but they can also spend time making their product look really good, making their product seem, you know, very clear messaging. Like how much, how did you like weigh kind of the types of content related to making your product look really, really good in this market? Yeah. Well, it depends on what you mean also by look really good. So I've, I've had the, you know, the, again, the benefit of working with some amazing engineers and designers, um, when it comes to actually creating an amazing product. Right. And look, we don't all get to always be in a situation where as a marketer and a storyteller, at the very least, you get to know that if you're making promises, because effectively that's what we're doing, right? We're making a ton of promises or at least mid down funnel, if you will, yeah. we'll start to get into some lingo, right? Um, you're making a promise about what it's going to do. Now, Qualia, the, the engineers, the design team there had created something that was just so compellingly different than what was already in the market that that piece wasn't a huge hurdle for us. Yeah. Um, you know, that was a little bit of an unfair advantage from a marketer's perspective is look, we've got this now. The difference was we also we don't showcase too much of the product uh, in front of the paywall or, or through demos in large part, you know, because to some degree, A, it is it is that different. We want to make sure that people can come in and experience it and really understand it and B, it's evolving so fast. And so, you know, for us, it was really thinking about, you know, going back to your first questions or one of your original questions was a lot of the content that we originally created was really around a brand, uh, around brand awareness. Um, understanding what we stand for, right? Around our innovation, around having a genuine sort of relationship with your customers and bringing that through um, and really helping people understand that, hey, this is how we think the, the business can actually benefit from working, right? And then as folks start going through the funnel, we start to expose more product-related content. And that's, that's more distributed through our sales team and once you're actually in and you're working through the product itself. Yeah, it's really interesting. And to create that, that, you know, generally the brand awareness mission driven content, I think probably the, at every step of the way, the more you understand your customers, the better, because it's like, you're, you know, you're, you have to speak in a way that, that is clear. Like I love your, your recent LinkedIn post that I read that was like, you know, I, I forget exactly. I'm probably paraphrasing, but it's like, you're, you know, good communication is only good to the extent that the people receiving it understand, you know, and it's like, you can say whatever you want to say, but your customers better understand it and you need to understand them to be able to communicate something. Yeah. No, I mean, you look, you, you made me think of something else, which is a lot of us trying to tell people how good the product was or look, I decided very early on that wasn't, that wasn't our job, right? Like we, 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 of course, everybody's going to say that their product is good. So you find me a marketer or a team that's saying, hey, we've got a really bad product, come buy it. It's great. Yeah. So I decided very early on, invest in, in your customers and also help them tell the story. And so whereas we might not have early on put a bunch of product demo videos out on the internet for everyone to explore, what we did invest in was working closely with our customers and really help understand what's the value in it for them and helping them tell that story. And so we were very early on with our customer marketing programs, uh, case study programs where we can really have the users themselves do it. Now that's cheating to some degree because not only do we get them to tell the story, right? But then we also get to learn, right? And so it's this virtuous cycle where you're getting materials that you can help educate people that don't know yet. And you also get to deepen your own understanding of what the real values are that people are coming. Like I've loved, <laughs> I'll give you a plug. 
anyone who doesn't know Elamir and kind of working on this one, uh, Dave and the team have, have been, you know, there very early on. And, you know, the way those interviews go, right? Like, I think you, I don't want to do this. I'll, I'll make you blush. It's all right. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've gone ahead and I just love your style of also asking those questions and calling out from people, you know, what, you know, what really drives them. And, uh, no, that's, that's been, I think, a, a real big part of our, uh, our tool belt, if you will. Yeah. Tool tool belt. Well, yeah. Well, we obviously appreciate the plug, though. Not, not why, not why we're here. Uh, yeah, no, it's. <laughs> It's, it's, um, it's, it's fun hearing, you know, your approach. And part of the reason I wanted to have this conversation, cause I think it's, it, it resonates a lot with, with me as a filmmaker and me as a documentary filmmaker and our team as documentary filmmakers. I mean, I can just, I can see the value in really truly like people talk about it, but a lot, you know, you have to know your customers, but really truly enjoying that and like, and meeting your customers where they are and like, just getting in the weeds and trying to learn and trying to help. And, and then it's not as much about selling a product and it's more about just, just trying to chip in, you know, wherever they, they need help, you know? And I think it's just a, it's a, it's an interesting approach and an, it seems simple and easy to say, but in practice, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty powerful, you know? And I think uh, it's been cool to see y'all's growth and approach on that front. So I'm curious taking a step back, like, you know, you, you haven't always been in marketing. Um, so I'm curious, like how you a bit, like we, we've talked a bit about this, but you know, can you give a little bit of your path to getting to this point? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll make it, I'll make it quick. Uh, yeah. so yeah, no, I started, uh, as you're alluding to, I actually started as an attorney. So I'm a recovering lawyer, I think is what we're, yeah. uh, <laughs> we're supposed to call ourselves. That's, uh, there's that's a lot right. of us out there. So for all, any of you that are listening, uh, uh, a lot of folks in marketing and tech too uh, that were once practicing. And so, I, yeah, I practiced for a few years and, um, you know, just found myself pretty far removed from our clients. Right. So I went into corporate law first. So it was, it was pretty far removed and uh, I just wasn't, you know, I was getting a little bit concerned about what my future was going to hold. So spoke to some partners uh, who were much further along. I was like, I think I want your life. And so I started getting more and more advice. And the advice kept on being like, get out while you can, Matt. I'm, I'm miserable and exhausted. I'm like, that's not uh, one of the, I love my family. Uh, yeah. And look, there, there was a lot of great lawyers, a lot of people that are really happy with the career. I just kind of knew that wasn't going to be my path. So yeah. I got, I got really fortunate. Um, you know, again, my wife was extremely supportive and we kind of made the jump. So we moved out to California. Uh, I won't even say how long ago now to age myself, <laughs> but um, you know, this whole, you know, everything happening in, uh, sort of e-commerce and the web was still sort of developing. And so it was a e yeah. pretty good time to come on in because nobody really knew much kind of switching over from waterfall to agile development, new marketing strategies. And so I also got the, you know, the benefit of kind of making a career transition with a company called rocket lawyer. Yeah. It was very early on, had some great executives uh, that I still consider, you know, great mentors of mine. Um, but those years there, um, A, I had the subject matter expertise from being a practicing attorney. So Rocket Lawyer, for for, for those who don't know or for, if you haven't been familiar with, very much it started out as kind of do-it-yourself legal forms online. Founder had yep. uh, basically acquired a, uh, a software called My Family Lawyer, I believe it was. And if you remember CD-ROMs, right, move that online. And so I came yep. on board. Yeah, yeah, right. Like CD round. We don't even have a CD drive. This is crazy. Yeah, right. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so yeah. So I came on board as you know 
uh, assistant general counsel and senior product manager, right? To kind of yeah. build out this business of how do you actually get people who are looking for self-help to then work with an attorney? So a lot of it was actually the operations, the marketing, double-sided marketplace, right? Um, and sales to kind of bring this. So like, I really got a, a crash course and we were one of Google Ventures early portfolio companies. So we're yeah. very closely with that team for a while. A lot of, you know, think about, there's a book called uh, Sprint, folks who haven't read it and they're thinking about kind of how do you come up with ideas real fast and, and solid. Uh, great book. We were part of that development process. So over the years, I basically kind of bounced around different roles there as sort of a GM role, um, but really kind of dove into the whole marketing aspect of it over time. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, did a, a bunch of that work. And then it was about six, seven years ago, six years ago now or so, uh, connected with the guys over at Qualia and really yeah. came on board. There was 20 of us at the time. And it was really, hey, let's go ahead and, and build out this program uh, from the marketing program and uh, to really scale this business. And I remember even talking with the team back then that, you know, this is, you know, different types of marketing, I think, require different types of marketers. Right. So from my perspective, I lead very much with right, education. Uh, and I know it sounds kind of cliche, but, you know, delivering, you know, and driving value. So there's not a lot of, you know at mass scale sort of ad programs that are intended to basically just kind of just bring in people top of the funnel because we kind of know who the industry is. It's a much different marketing program when you have a defined TAM and you know who your audience is than when you're out there fishing, right? And just trying to hope that you can get, you know, any of millions upon millions upon millions of consumers to come in. So yeah, yeah. it's been a, it's been a pretty fun ride. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious if there's any along the way, as you think about kind of where you're at now and, and, and where you started in corporate, corporate law. And again, just kind of keeping in mind, like this, this, the goal of, of, you know, our conversation and, and this podcast is to really hone in on, on storytelling. And I think, you know, you have a really strong sense of storytelling and it's, it's not always the case that people do. <laughs> um, so I'm curious, like from, you know, if there's any personal experiences you've had, or if there's any, like, specific experiences or, or worldviews or like, or, or, you know, why you feel like you're so drawn to, to telling stories, to really seeking out your customers, understanding who they are and creating this kind of content. Like I, if there's anything about you or, or any experiences that you're like, this is, this is part of, part of who I am. This is, this helps explain some of my inspiration. Oh man. I, I mean, hours of therapy would probably help with that one as well. Um, but, yeah. uh, no, I, I'd say, and actually, what do you mean? What's that? What do you mean by that? <laughs> oh, no, I mean, uh, just kind of like going into like, you know, really kind of at your core, right. And kind of yeah. where does this come from? Cause I, I can yeah. definitely chat about that. I'm just, as you're asking the question and talking about storytellers, it reminded me of the adage of like, uh, you know, going to a comedian and, uh, asking them to make you laugh. I'm like, oh, you're asking me to tell you a story about how I am great at telling stories. So, oh, yeah. pressure's on. Um, yeah. you know, it's I tell for question. me. It is a tough question. Um, for me, you know, it might be to some degree when I'm, uh, you know, I can probably answer that through the lens of how I think about pe people that I hire. Um, yeah. So I look for operational storytellers is basically what I call it, right? Which is, you know, one, for, for marketing, you know, obviously you're always telling stories. And actually that's not just marketing. That's anything you're doing in life, right? Um, whether you're home with your family and you're kind of telling about your day all the way up to if you're in any business function and you're trying to get your point across, right? Yeah. Um, in law, right? Going back to that, a lot of what we're learning is not just about how to think, 
right? That's a lot of what law school is, is just thinking about new ways of thinking, but it's yeah. also how to tell your story to be a zealous advocate for your client, right? Like that's kind of the terminology. So for me, you know, I had a, uh, a, at a very good upbringing where, you know, we went to Disney world a lot I'll just say it right. Kind of. And, uh, that's awesome. and, uh, yeah, excuse the, the, the sniffles from time to time here. Um, but, uh, actually just came back from New York visiting family. Uh, but the, you know, I would say it's, it's, it's probably that to a large degree, grew up watching the old movies, uh, grew up going to Disney world. And for those that aren't familiar, like Disney definitely has its, you know, people have a, a love hate relationship with the whole brand. Right. Uh, yeah. for me, it's a bit more of a fondness kind of remembering the childhood, you know, going to what Disney world, you know, back yeah. then for sure. And then even lately bringing my kids, but you know, that whole organization, you know, does an incredible job of not just the stories that they're telling through the movies think about the Pixar stories, right. But yeah. in the parks and creating experiences that you're immersed um, and, you know, really doing it through a lens of that full fledged experience, right. And kind of yeah. what a story can do for you, um, whether you're sitting there watching it or you're out in the environment and experience it. And so I think that's definitely influenced kind of how I wanted cool. to take my career. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. So I can go down the rabbit hole there too, if you want to, yeah, that that's really cool. I think the, there's like a, one of my favorite authors said that like, uh, anyone who's grown up has the tools they need to, to be a good storyteller. <laughs> it's just a matter of, of being able to like, you know, understand yourself and then, and then convey that to other people or like understand yourself as it relates to other people. And there's obviously like honing your craft and there's a lot of other things that go into being a good storyteller. But I like that idea of like, if you've gone through childhood, then you have memories that, that you can draw from. And it's, so I love hearing that Disney world idea. Cause yeah, it's a really powerful, I mean, there's some great, I, I, I remember my relationship to Disney is like, is like, uh, VHS tapes of there's like seven movies or something like that, that we had, you know, it's like Lion King and like Pocahontas and a few others. And they were so amazing to watch as a kid. Like there's, it's such a powerful memory, you know, it's like, they're just so engrossing. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. I mean, look, then you'd probably love it. Next time you're out in the Bay area, come, you know, we'll, we'll head over. There's the Disney family museum, right. in the Presidio. Yeah. And so the, the whole, you know, Disney a, a, as a storyteller, he also, and the, that team, if anyone, if anyone's interested in ever just reading more about the history, hats also create the technology to tell the story. Right. And so they actually have a bunch of the old cameras that they had to invent. So he wasn't just, uh, as an organization, a, a story writer that would write things down on a page, right. But it was actually, how do you go ahead and create the technology that is going to then be able to tell the story the way that you want to. And so very early on, all the stuff and innovations that they're making with uh, with camera work and illustrations is just really fascinating because he would just blow through things. And it also created a world where you had uh, Waltz and Royce, if you will, kind of talk about that a lot when you're creating businesses. So yeah. not many people know of Roy Disney, uh, which is his brother and the operational guy, right? And Disney was more of the pie in the sky, I'm gonna get stuff done. And when you look at a lot of amazing companies that are out there, they usually have a partnership of a Walt and a Roy, right? At the yeah. very least, like good partnerships. Like people aren't doing this by themselves, right? They're not telling yeah. great stories by themselves. They're not building great businesses by themselves. They've usually got people challenging them to think a little bit differently. And so your yeah. Walter, 
all right, I'm going to go ahead and create a world the size of San Francisco and just put a bunch of parks in and people will come and have a great time, right? Yeah. That's Disney World, right? And then Roy is, hey, how are we going to pay for this, right? You got to do that, right? And so you wind up having this push-pull uh, and you ultimately get, hopefully, in the end of the day, some great, some great uh, results. Yeah, yeah. Everybody needs, everybody needs their, their their counterpart on that. You know, I think we all can relate. Like we're either more of the pie in the sky or more of the, you know, let's let's get things done mentality. Or how are we going to pay for it <laughs> mentality? Um, there's there's another story that that if you're willing to share, um, we've talked about that I think is really telling of, of your approach to people. And I think ultimately then your approach to understanding people and telling stories, um, which is that nonprofit that you helped start, um, as out of your experiences in law school, um, and then ultimately becoming a lawyer. Can you talk a bit about your experiences there and then what you, what you did with that? Yeah. Yeah, what you're referring to is, um, so when I was in law school, a close friend of ours uh, took his life by suicide. Um, and, you know, it was devastating um, and surprising uh, and eye-opening, I would say. You know, this is going back, you know, she's now going back, you know, close to 20 years ago. And conversations around mental health just were not, uh, not what they, where they are today. Um, a very big stigma on talking about mental health. And so none of us knew the challenges that Dave, that was our, our friend's name, Dave, Dave Nee, um, was going through. Like we all yeah. thought that he, everything was, was fine. He was actually the one that we thought was sort of the, you know, the most put together and sort of, you know, uh, uh, going on. So this was, this was a lot for us to, to kind of take in. And, you know, a couple, a couple of my friends, uh, uh, ultimately we started a nonprofit called the Dave Nee Foundation uh, with the mission of really, helping put an end to the stigma uh, on talking about mental health and challenges. And so, you know, from, from on a personal level, it was, all right, how do we take this tragedy and hopefully, you know, get some, get some good at it and, and celebrate his life, right. And kind of do it that end. And then on a, on a more long-term scale too, it was also, I think, uh, helpful for all of us to then say, all right, well, how do we, how do we better understand what, what folks are going through and should we just, all have that part of life. So we developed a program called Uncommon Council that went into law schools around the country and helped kind of bring that about um, and those conversations going. And it really deepened relationships with folks because, yeah, look, we all we all have stuff in our lives, right? Uh, I think, yeah. you know, we're on a podcast right now. People might be listening to a lot of, like, happy stuff going through your social media feeds, right? We kind of all... And this is this is before social media, right? So now I'm definitely yeah. uh, dating myself. It wasn't like we were looking at Facebook, right? At the time, oh man, yeah, this is, this is, I think this is Friendster days. This is maybe MySpace days. <laughs> so like not a, not a lot of people on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know. But I think no matter where you then, are, I've kind of, that stigma is there. What's that? Like, I said, no matter where you are, that stigma is there for, you know, whether it's social media or not, you know, that, and it's still, you know, it hadn't changed a lot. I mean, hopefully there's, there are more conversations about it, hopefully, but definitely that stigma, it's a, it's a huge, huge problem for people. You know, it's, it's really a, yeah. you know, it's important to talk about. Yeah. Um, because, you know, and depending on what you're doing in life, right. If you don't have um, a strong foundation, right. It can be challenging. If you don't have outlets and folks to talk to, um, yeah. it could also be, you know, really challenging. Um, and so, so yeah, there's, 
you know, to kind of bring it back to your question, kind of like how that also helped inform, right? I'd say there's an element of vulnerability that needs to exist in conversations, whether it be about mental health challenges or, you know, if you bring it all the way through to, you know, product development and stuff like that, if, if you aren't looking at, you know, that the, uh, I know it's, it might be a little cliche to say it like this, but like looking at the truth, right. Of your, yeah. you know, your own, everyone's own truth. Right. It could then be hard to kind of build upon that. Right. Um, it's yeah. sort of the analogy of, you know, if, if you go on a, on a long voyage on a set on a, on a ship and you're just one degree off course, at the beginning, but it's a cross country, it's a cross ocean voyage, you're going to end off pretty far away from your destination. Right. And so it's really about where you're starting. And if you're not starting at that place of, of truth, then, you know, it just, it compounds on itself. So, yeah. so that's definitely been something that I've brought with me, I think through then. Yeah. It's also really interesting for me. And part of the reason I, I really appreciate you sharing and, and talking about it on, on this, in this conversation is it's, it's a, it shows to me like an early awareness that stories really matter that like the, the, the ways that we talk about mental health, for example, you know, like it affects people's lives in very material ways. And so anytime you're telling a story about something or, you know, there's a lot of, of empathy and awareness that's required, you know, and it's, it's hard, (laughs) you know, and it sometimes has bad effects you know, there, it's not always good. And I think in the case of like mental health and the work you were doing, you know, it, it can hurt people who have mental health when there are these stigmas around it, which are stories that people tell about it. Um, and it's not true, you know, it's, it's, you know, so it's just really interesting. So I'm curious, like bringing it back full circle to where we are today with, with your role, you started talking about it a little bit with, you know, that analogy of the ship, you have to know where you started. I'm curious, like where, where work like that fits into who you are today and, and like, particularly as it relates to storytelling in B2B marketing, you know, like where, where does that, that awareness or that kind of empathy fit? Yeah. You know, I, I think that's, it's a good question. I, you know, I'd say that it's, you kind of tailed off with the probably where it fits, which is the B2B marketing. You know, I might go back to, you know, B2C at some point, right. When you're doing it, scale, yeah. what I, what I, what I've liked about B2B marketing, uh, and particularly in the industry we're currently in, uh, is you actually do get to develop relationships with the yeah. folks that you're working with. And I think one of the one of the challenges that marketers have, which is probably a little bit different than some of the other disciplines at a company, is you know really finding those times and those opportunities to actually interact and connect with the people that you're hopefully helping, right? And so what I've really liked about you know Qualia in particular too is like I talk about this when people are coming on board is the way the platform is developed is we're really helping people with their livelihoods and life savings, right? The livelihood side is the folks that we're actually selling software to. At the end of the day, let's, let's call it what it's like. We sell software, right? We sell workflow software, right? Um, but the impact on their lives, right? You, you kind of talked about in the beginning is these are people who are, you know, overworked, right? Oftentimes, maybe not compensated the way that they, they kind of need or want or, or can, right? And so if we can come in there and provide them tools that actually make their their work better, their lives better, right? Get home, see your family on time. That's, that's, that's impactful to me. Like I I know again, cliche or not, I like mission driven companies. And so that's a big part of the mission that it's there. The other part is the life savings, right? Like buying a home, as you mentioned earlier on, one of the most stressful experiences one can probably kind of go through because they're only doing it 
you know, maybe once, maybe once every seven to 10 years. Right. Um, So they're not used to it. So if we can go ahead and create a platform that alleviates some of that anxiety. Right. And so we talk about in storytelling as well, kind of talk about sort of these emotional pyramids, right. In terms of where you're trying to get people to. And so for us, a lot of that apex, especially early on, um, you know, think about Nike and other sort of like big brand, high sports activities, companies, these are about like conquer that mountain excitement, go up that hill. As we dove in, we're like, all right, you can carbon copy stuff like that and and be what you want it to be. Or you can listen to your, your audience and your community and figure out what they really need. And for us, it was really relief, right? Like what we were bringing to our community was, you know, whereas prior to Qualia, there was stress and anxiety and kind of uncertainty with qualia there's relief because there is certainty there is um uh uh continuity in what's happening in standardization and so that's a pretty um from a from a personal level uh at the very least when telling a story and you can bring and change someone's emotional state for the better like that's a I mean, come on, that's a good day, right? Like, look, you get to do it all day, every day. And so, yeah, no, I I would definitely say that, you know, uh, all of those touch points, right? You know, even from going back full circle, right? When we talked about, you asked the question about my career and where I started in law. Um, I like what lawyers were able to do, right? I just just didn't like, you know, perhaps think that as a practicing attorney, that's how my role was going to be in it. I've been very fortunate to then, be able to bring that same benefit to folks just doing something that I, I enjoy much more on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. It's a beautiful idea of, of um, what you said and, and really interesting this idea of listening to your customers and then coming up with that idea of like relief is, is what ultimately, and that came from them, right? That's not something that you sat down one day and said, what do we want our brand to represent? You know, let's, let's like, figure out what we want to be and then go tell the world. It was the, it was the opposite. It was like, Hey, let's go, let's go dig in with these people. Let's hear what, what we can be for them. What, what we are for them. Let's listen to them. And then out of that, this idea of relief and definitely something it's, it's crazy. You say that, you know, back when you got started, because I mean, that's, it hadn't changed a lot. You know, I mean, there's a lot of narratives that you guys tell now that, um, you wouldn't have then just because you're bigger, you're doing more, more things, your products have changed a little, um, or you've added products. Um, but ultimately it's still that, that idea of, of relief of creating a, an easier process for people. Um, so it's interesting to hear that. And, and definitely like back to your ship analogy, it seems like, you know, you guys did the groundwork and started in the right direction. So, um, yeah. Where and you look, you're you're building a, a a big business yourself, right? And so it's 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 amazing. You know, you need to make decisions fast, right? You know, you you don't want to suffer from analysis paralysis, but you also do want to you know be mindful that you know it, you're today you're creating tomorrow's problems, right? And so how big are tomorrow's problems going to be? Because <laughs> inevitably tomorrow becomes today, right? And so you're gonna be you're gonna be dealing with it, and so you're just kind of accruing your debt, and you're trying to figure out. Right. What's what's worth it? We're making these choices. Um, and, you know, to 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 your point as well, a little bit when we were building this out, what we also recognize that as a platform, we were telling stories and talking to a variety of different folks, not just, you know, talk about title and escrow, but 
you know, the hundreds of thousands and millions of consumers and real estate agents and lenders that already operate through the platform as well. And they have a different point of view, right? And so uh, I think one of the marketers challenges, especially at companies where you are actually communicating with people who have different interests, different needs, is also the delivery and the timing, right, of when you're going to say this. Uh, Steve Martin has a great joke about timing, but we can save that for, for another podcast. You can look it up on Masterclass. It's awesome. Um, but you've got this whole concept where, all right, you know, word choice to one audience is going to mean something completely different to another part of your audience, right? And so how do you actually understand that? And that yeah. comes from just going out there and, and being part of the community and understanding that not all words mean the same things to all people. Yeah. And you got to be really uh, intentional and considerate when you're picking your words, depending on who you're talking to, because it yeah. could definitely mean something wildly different. Yeah. I think that point is a really difficult thing to learn. Uh, it's, it's a really hard thing to, cause it only takes practice and it takes mistake after mistake after mistake is the idea that something, cause we run into all the time with filmmaking where it's, it's really hard to explain to a young filmmaker how they created something that feels to them like one thing, but to a completely different person in a completely different setting, it means something completely different. And that's hard to learn. And whether it's word choice, it's, you know, a podcast, it's whatever you're creating. It's even just the way you speak in a room or whatever, the ability to imagine or conceptualize the way people who are very different than you would experience it is very hard <laughs> and definitely something that, yeah. um, is takes time to nurture. And, and I think takes just like courage to keep trying and keep iterating and like you said, have that passion for learning and for understanding people and just like growing from it and, and hoping, hoping you get it right more often than you, than you get it wrong. You know, it's, but it's tricky. It's something that, that yeah. we test for in filmmakers when we're thinking about hiring and it's a really hard thing. And that's part of the reason that we're even having these conversations about storytelling is I think one thing that I've learned about stories, though I'm very reticent to say anything about stories because everything I say can be contradicted with equal validity, in my opinion. But one thing I have learned <laughs> is, that, is that the people who are who are the better storytellers have been through a lot of things in a lot of different settings, and they've they have the experience to be able to imagine what a wide range of people will will feel and will understand about the stories they create. Yeah. Yeah. And look, and, and to your point, it's uh, it's the question of like, what's quote unquote, getting it right, if you will. Yeah. Right. Um, meaning in depending on the types of stories you're telling, right, we go we can go back to Disney where it's really, you know, about the art and the experience Yeah, in B2B marketing. Right. It's you know, it's it's art, but, you know, also art with a purpose. Right. In the end of the day, you know, and we talk kind of talking about sort of the concepts of operational storytelling is you're telling a story for a purpose, right? Like in the end of the day, like I get to have a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. Like I've had so much fun working with you over the years, right. And telling some really, you know, fun stories that also, you know, are just, I no other word, right? Like, man, I'm on a storyteller podcast and I'm all the only word I can keep on thinking of is fun, right. Is yeah. you're getting to tell these narratives, right. But 
on the B2B marketing side, right? You know that you're telling that story with a purpose. Like you're, you're, yeah. you are looking to help people understand things. Uh, oftentimes complex matters, right? Um, and then sometimes you're trying to influence uh, decisions in terms of how they're thinking. And so that I think is, is, is one thing that's been beneficial. So, you know, whether it was, so I, I went in undergrad, I was a psychology major in law school. Like you are really just taught the art of, all right, understanding a situation and then being able to uh, pull all the facts together to tell a narrative in a way that, you know, if you're on trial or you're influencing a jury, right? And so, and you do it with a very uh, deep moral compass and code, right? And so I think those are all things that, you know, I've been beneficial to kind of have it. I've been a pretty circuitous route, right? Like I didn't go to school for marketing, right? And say like, hey, give me a marketing degree and do X, Y, Z. But it's also then fun because you get to take those other experiences and bring it in back, right? This is how we're going to break it down. And so to your point about young filmmakers understanding others, I think if they haven't had those life experiences where they've been non-filmmakers, right? And they've had other uh, aspects of their lives, um, I think it is it is a challenge. And and I think it's, you know, I think you are, are likely, you know, from my experiences with you, you're probably a great mentor in that respect. I, I've always appreciated how you break things down. And so um, uh, I'll just do another plug for you. I know you don't like this, but if anyone's looking for, you know, to work for, for David, I would definitely recommend it. Right. Cause, uh, it's, it's a lot of that sort of mentorship and that's a lot of storytelling is, is we're learning how to storytell is finding people that you, you definitely either want to a emulate, right. And kind of go down that path or be just as valuable probably as like knowing what you don't want to do. Right. And I think that's a lot of storytelling as, as well as knowing what you want to avoid, uh, yeah. and, actually getting reductive and thinking, right, what shouldn't be in here that I want to make yeah. sure I steer clear of. Yeah, no, I think you're, you're right on the, on the reductive point. We could have a whole other conversation about that. I think, I think that's a, that's definitely, that's definitely true. It's, it's easy to have ideas, really hard to commit to one <laughs> really. Hard. Yeah. yeah. Which, which is, which is maybe a fair criticism of podcasts because it's just a conversation about a many different, many different ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, look, I think, I think this is, this is about the time we have here. Do you, is there anything you'd add like on, uh, on, you know, for a content marketer or a you know, person growing a startup about storytelling, about how they should approach it? Or you feel like we covered it all? Oh, we definitely didn't cover it all. Um, <laughs> no, it, it's, I, I would say that's, you know, if you think about uh, certain professions in life, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of them get the word practice in front of them. Like you practice law, you practice medicine, you know, I think to a certain degree, you practice storytelling, right? Cause you're never really done and you're constantly learning and what's going to resonate with people today might not resonate with them tomorrow, whether it be the style or the medium. And so, to go back, you know, to one of your earlier uh, questions or comments about it was like, if you're curious and you enjoy it, it's a great path for folks. Um, Cause it's never, you're never done. Right. Um, and so I, I would definitely encourage people to just embrace that curiosity uh, and go after it. And try stuff. I always feel like just, just try stuff. You know, it's, if it doesn't work, that's fine. You know, just try something else. I always think it's good to just try things. Not, every, not everything's a winner. Yeah. In fact, most things are. <laughs> no. Well, well I mean, that's the, oh, yeah. I just, I don't want to keep, yeah. So there's a, a quick story I'd leave you on the Disney piece. Yeah. Yeah. Good. It, it, 
in your spirit of trying stuff. Uh, 1955, July 1955, Disneyland opens up. And, you know, we all kind of know how where it landed today, right? In terms of just the, the, the global brand that it is. But on that second, on that day it opened, a complete nightmare, complete failure. You know, the newspapers all called it Disney's folly, right? The park wasn't done, rides breaking down, shoes getting stuck in wet cement. Like this is kind of like worst situation imaginable, right? When it's come, people getting sick, like awful, right? But you got to try stuff, get it out there, get it into the market, understand, and then evolve. And uh, to your point exactly, right? It's a lot about iteration and, and figuring things yeah. out. That's good stuff. Well, I appreciate it, Matt. This has been great. Uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll definitely uh, stay in touch on all this. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, David.